Second one, second shout out. Now listen closely. If you're not a veteran, sit down. We're going to give a shout out to our veterans. Any veterans in the house? Any veterans online? I don't care where you are. Stand up because we want to honor you. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Dean. Thank you for serving our country, putting your life at stake. We appreciate you guys. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I also want to give a shout out to, uh, to the Bowdens, Mark and Jessica, the Jurics. I also want to give a shout out to, uh, to everyone in your small group. And, and their small group's kind of interesting. They let their kids pick it. And you'll see why. That's, I'm going to talk about father-son relationship. They let their kids pick their name of their group. And their name is called the Sparkle Dragons. That's the name of their small group, right? Yeah. Owens is. I appreciate you guys, too. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, online this morning. And I want to start with this question. If you're a guest, we've been in this God story series uh, and we're moving along. We want to understand God's truth. We want to understand who this God is, see ourselves in these stories, and, and then invite other people to join us. And we want to be able to navigate these different situations and issues that come our way, especially in our current culture. So I want to ask this. We, we all, I'm going to assume, firm with me, we all love our kids, right? Most of the time, right? Yeah? <laughs> so much so that when they entered our lives... We began to revolve our, our lives around them. Remember when your, go with me here. Remember when your son or your daughter was, was born, you began to pack at least, at least 10 times their baby weight in various paraphernalia to make sure that you were prepared for everything that may come your way when you took them out somewhere, right? Every time you went to a friend's house or a family member's house, you had to pack the pack and play Usually you put in a stroller, often you would put in that portable um, height chair type thing. You always had something to entertain them with, right? Do they still have bouncy, those bouncy seats? Do they still have those bouncy seats in that, in that play gym thing where you put your kids laying on blankets, swatting and stuff, right? So you put blankets into, you maybe put other toys, other change of clothes, diapers, etc., etc., etc. This packing issue was a sore subject between Kristen and me. Now, let me set the context for you. When our kids were little, Kristen was dealing with Lawyer Dave, not Pastor Dave. And Kristen was dealing with Church Attendee Dave, not Follower Jesus Dave, right? So when it came packing time, I always put up a fight. I'm like, this, we gotta pack. this doesn't make any sense. Why? Why all this stuff? Her response always was, just put it in. <laughs> you never know if we would need it. For the most part, I put in everything that she asked for. And as I was doing it, I was talking to myself under my breath, probably not in a Christian way as I was jamming stuff into that vehicle, okay? Um, The few occasions that I did not put everything in the vehicle that she requested, let's just say those occasions came back to haunt me. And if you're a if you're a husband in the room, you know what I'm talking about, right? You with me? Yeah, okay. I, someone, someone felt my pain, right? That's why I said there was only a few occasions because I learned my lesson. I think after three or four. Huh. As our kids grow older, um, the packing of necessities doesn't end. It just changes. Then it becomes bikes, sports equipment, maybe hunting equipment, music stuff. Our calendars all of a sudden are just full of kids' stuff. This baseball practice, or that basketball practice, or this football, or the base, softball, the swimming, uh, 4-H, scouts, you name it. We're running here, there, and everywhere. 
because we have centered our lives around our kids in trying to make sure that they're happy all the time, trying to meet all their needs. And, and go with me here. I mean, if you're of my vintage, how many people made sure you had the minivan or the SUV that had that drop-down screen to watch movies and videos? Okay, yeah. Why? Because we wanted to placate them. We wanted to pacify them. Now it's like, here's my phone or here's a, here's a tablet. Just entertain yourself, right? Are you guys following me? Because we're parents and we care. And, and we wanted to make sure as we centered our lives around them, and we also wanted to make sure that they, that they didn't miss out on anything in life, right? Because we didn't want them to fall behind their, 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 their friends. We want our kids to fall behind them. Because we did that, because we've centered our lives around our kids, now it becomes very difficult for us uh, to navigate those, um, I don't know, those life, those, those guiding coming-of-age kind of moments, like dating, it's hard for us to say no because we haven't said no a lot, right? We always want to placate. Like when they first get their, or they want their first cell phone, like their own, with access to the internet, access to social media. Come on, mom, everyone's, all my friends are. I thought you were a good mom. I thought you were a good dad, right? Don't you care about me? You're going to inhibit my social kind of interaction and development, Right? Because we've centered our lives around our kids, it's difficult for us to say no in that situation. Are, are you following me? And then as they grow even older, woo, they start making, quote, adult decisions. Oh, it's even harder for us because that relationship means so much to us. It's so hard for us to have that godly conversation when they're going down an ungodly path because we don't want them to stop loving us because we centered our lives around them. Are you guys, are you guys following me here? And if we do that, if we center our lives around our kids, I, I got to ask the question, and maybe you guys can help me. Where in the Bible, where in the Bible does, does it tell us that, um, in what verse, what chapter, hey, if you're a parent, you need to center your life around your kids in order to be a good parent, in order to be a parent that helps them grow spiritually. Can anybody here point to that chapter and verse for me? And, and, and I'm looking, I, I don't know. And, and hear me on this, by centering our lives around our kids, what ends up happening? We end up giving our kids a God complex, right? Like, hey, the world centers around you. It's all about you. And if we live that way, I call that being kid worshipers. And if we worship our kid, Hey, we love our kids, right? Yeah, give that kid a hug right now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, if we worship our kids, what happens? Man, we inhibit their spiritual growth. I'm just going to tell you that right now. We damage them spiritually. And we stun our own spiritual growth. There's just no ands, ifs, or buts about it. If you're a parent in, in, in here today, how many parents have found themselves in, in that kind of trap? Like, okay, I have... I've been there. Here's the deal. As we have learned thus far in this God story series, God uses certain things, certain situations, certain circumstances to test our loyalty and our allegiance. But come on, Pastor Dave. God wouldn't use our kids to test our loyalty and allegiance. 
Would, would, would he? Really? Well, in our story for today, as we, will, as we will see, God tests a father's loyalty and allegiance to determine whether, whether this, this father really, really is all sold out for God or does he really worship, does he really worship his kid? Simply put, God will not tolerate anything, anyone, taking God's place in our life, God's place of authority, if we're going to call ourselves a God follower. God's not going to tolerate that. And God will use various things, including our kids, to see, to test where our loyalty and allegiance lie. So let's pray. God, please prepare us to receive your word today. Open our minds and our hearts to your truth. God, I'm asking, I'm asking that you pour out your Holy Spirit on each and every one of us. And I'm asking that your Holy Spirit convicts us this morning of anything, whether that's our kid or anything, that we have elevated above you in our life. That we, we actually worship other than you in our life. God, please convict us of that. Reveal that to us. Help us to confess it and name it today. And as we leave here today, may we leave as people who are all in in following you in every way and every day. You are Lord of our life. Please hear our prayer this morning. In your mighty name, we pray and ask. Amen. You can't blame, you can't blame Abraham for revolving his life around his son. Isaac. You can't blame him for showering Isaac with attention and, and, and making sure that all of Isaac's needs were met and then some. Why? Because Isaac was Abraham's miracle baby. At age 75, Abraham, he didn't have any kids. He was married to the same woman. Her name was Sarah. They, 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 they just didn't have any kids. And God pays a visit to Abraham and he tells Abraham that you are going to be a father of, of many nations. Well, at age 80, Abraham and Sarah, they still don't have any kids. 85, they still don't have any kids. And at age 85, Abraham and Sarah, they decide to take matters into their own hand and follow a cultural custom. So they let the world influence them on this one. And, and, and Abraham sleeps with uh, his wife's maidservant, with his maidservant's, I mean, with his wife's blessing. Her name's Hagar. And he fathers a child by the name of Ishmael. And so instead of receiving a, a God-produced uh, promise, blessing here, child. Instead, he creates a whole host of other issues in that family. By age 90, they, him, Abraham and Sarah, they still don't have any kids. 95, they still don't have any kids. 99, they still don't have any kids. But age 99, God pays Abraham and, 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 uh, and Sarah another visit, and he tells them that they're going to be the proud parents of a baby boy. And in response to God telling them that, both Abraham and Sarah do what I think most of us would do. We laughed. They laughed. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, as God does, God lived up to God's promise. And at age 100, Abraham and Sarah, they gave birth to a baby boy. And they named their baby boy Isaac, which means laughter. You can almost imagine when they call laughter in for dinner them being reminded that God turned their laughter of disbelief into laughter of joy. And so this is a happy ending to a long-awaited God promise. And then, and then we get to Genesis chapter 22. 
And in Genesis chapter 22, it seems that, that at this point in time in Abraham and Isaac's relationship, that they're tight. That Isaac wants to do what his dad's doing. So that's, that's where we find, that's where we find uh, this scene. In, in Genesis chapter 22, beginning at verse 1, we're told this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Can we do a collective, say what? Now on three, one, two, three. Yeah, I mean, come on, when you you got to, I wonder if Abraham has to say what? I mean, God's instruction to Abraham catches us off guard, and it shocks us. There's nothing in this story, up until this point in time, there's nothing in this story that that would suggest or, or, or prepare us for God's seemingly stunning and heinous command. The only explanation that we're given for this command, for why God commanded Abraham to do this, is because God wanted to test Abraham. Test what? Test his loyalty, his allegiance, his trust, his faith. Some test, huh? As we have, again, as we have discussed, as we've seen these stories, God uses various situations, things, circumstances to test, to see if we follow God or whether we follow something else. And we've seen that in Ad, with Adam and Eve. We've seen that with Cain and Abel. We've seen that with Noah. We've seen that at the beginning of Abraham's story. And we see it in various characters in the Old Testament. David, Job, various kings. We see it in the New Testament with Peter. We see it with Jesus himself, right? Tested before he even began his ministry. Tested all the way through his life, even up until he was on the cross. Remember one of the thieves on the cross said, hey, if you're the son of God, if you're, if you're really it then use your power to save yourself. Whether we like it or not, the reality is life is a test. Does that bother anybody? It's okay if it does. What's up with that? Well, here's the deal. God creates us, and God gives us about 75, on average, 75 to maybe 95 years physically to live. Remember, when God created us, God gave us this freedom to choose whether or not we wanted to live in right relationship with God. And and God just didn't want to make us do it. God doesn't want to make us spend eternity with God. God wants to give us that free choice, right, to choose. And so we got 75, about 95 years on average to choose that physically, whether we want to spend eternity with God spiritually forever. And so God says, okay, well, I'm going to test to see. If you really want to spend eternity with me, or if you want to spend eternity apart from me. That's what life is. It is a test where God uses situations, circumstances, things to see, do we really follow God or do we follow something else? And here in this situation, the test comes in the the context of worship. Is Abraham going to worship God, or is he really going to reveal that he worships his son? In this situation, he can't choose both. His actions will reveal who he really worships, who has his allegiance, who has his loyalty. And for us, as we raise our kids, our actions will reveal whether we worship God or whether we worship our kids. 
Granted, God's probably not going to test us in the same way as, as Isaac. Hey, go, go <laughs> sacrifice your kid on this altar in some mountain I'm going to show you. But God does use, and you can bet on this one, God does use various circumstances and situations in life to test whether we really follow God or whether we really are worshiping our kids. None of us, I assume, would sacrifice our worship for, of God for our kids, right? None of us would. Just checking. Let me see if I can think of some scenarios that may suggest otherwise or cause us to really have to wrestle. Your kid is really good at sports. And so your kid's been, you've been invited to try out and play on a travel. It could be softball, baseball, basketball, soccer. I don't know if they have travel football here in Oregon. They had travel football in, uh, in the Midwest. And, 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 and by playing travel, travel ball, uh, your kid's going to get opportunities to develop their skill sets, right? And that's, that's good. I mean, that's, that's healthy, right? Uh, and, and, and maybe have opportunities that you never had yourself. The problem is, especially if you have your kid playing a number of travel sports, right? The problem is, is, is that you're going to have to miss church, like worship with your family, more often than not. That's just the reality. You're playing, a good, you're playing on Sunday. I mean, you're playing championships on Sunday. It's just the way it is. So whether you want to admit it or not, you're, you're really being forced to choose, right? I mean, it, it, do I, am I going to worship God or am I going to worship my kid? Now, I know we can rationalize. We can think about it. Well, come on, Pastor Dave. If my kid starts playing travel sports at 9. That's 9 to 17. That's about nine years. If he, if he or she starts at age 12, it's only like 5 to 6. So come on. In the grand scheme of things... What's really the big deal? You know, really? Is it really going to have that much of an impact on them? The, the issue, though, that's being put in front of you is, who's your God? You need to wrestle with that one. We need to wrestle with that one, right, as parents. Maybe there's a way you can, I don't know, but at least have the conversation and talk to your kids about that. Hey, look, this is what this is going to cost us as a family. Invite them into the conversation. And you may be surprised what they may say in that conversation too. Because it's not just about time. It's also about money, right? So in order to play this sport or, or in this travel sport or maybe to take these dance lessons or whatever, it's going to cost you a, a, a thousand bucks. And, I'm, and I, am, I am extremely low-balling that number. Anybody that's ever played travel sports or sent your kids to dance lessons and stuff, you know it's going to be more, right? But I'm just going to low-ball. I'm going to say a thousand. It costs a thousand. You don't have the cash to do it. But you do give $200 a month as your tithe to God. Huh, let me scratch my head on that one. Two times five equals a thousand. So hey, I can withhold that two hundred for five months, get a thousand, I can pay for my kid to play the travel sport or take those lessons, right? That's five months. Come on. This God has so many resources. What's what's a thousand bucks to God, right? Right? Really? It's five months. Come on. 
Whether you want to admit it or not, that's another situation scenario really causing us to wrestle with, do we worship God or do we worship our kid? Are you following me here? Hmm. Because there's other ways that maybe you, if you really, if you're going to do it, you may be able to pay for it, but it's easy just, uh, well, God, you gave me this kid. I want to be a good steward of my kid. And maybe I'm actually bringing you glory by, by trying to bring out the best of my kids. So, so in essence, I'm kind of tithing. I'm tithing in a different way. Right? And then as your kid grows older, you have a good relationship with your kid. So that relationship really matters to, to you, right? Because you've centered your life around your kid for so many years. Now they're like 21, 20, 22 years old. So for that long, you have been basically centering your life around your kid. And now your kid starts to, again to do what makes me happy because that's how we've trained them. And so they start to engage in some ungodly behaviors. Ah, come on, it makes economic sense, mom and dad. I'm just going to move in with her. What's the big deal? And because we value that relationship, we may value it above God. We don't want to have that God conversation with them because we're afraid that they may not talk to us anymore. Another example of elevating something above God, that is the relationship. Are you guys with me here? Pastor Dave, I'm not sure. I'm glad I came to church today. Hmm. Well, how did Abraham handle, how did he handle this situation, this, this defining moment in his life? Well, while we may be shocked and stunned by God's instruction to Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, we may be even more shocked by Abraham's response, especially in our culture, where we are challenged, where we are expected to sacrifice everything so our kid can have that experience or that opportunity or those lessons, no matter what the cost. Because if we're going to be a good parent, we're going to deliver, right? Because if we're going to be a good parent, we don't want to hold little Johnny or little Susie down by not giving them that opportunity, right? Right? Hmm. Well, listen to how Abraham responded to this test, this situation, this command. It says this, verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We, he's talking about Abraham and Isaac here. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Interesting statement made by Abraham, don't you think? Abraham knows what God has commanded him to do. So why in the world would he tell his servants, um, hey, after we're done worshiping God, uh, we, that is him and Isaac, will come back, will come back to you. 
Why would he say that? Anyone have any thoughts? Why? Well, Abraham knew that Isaac was God's promise to him. And up until that point in time, God had not reneged on any promise that God had made to Abraham. And so this is really a faith statement by Abraham. God, I have no idea what you're up to. This doesn't make any sense to me. I am actually confused right now, but I'm going to continue living this way. I'm going to seek you first and trust that you will take care of the rest no matter what. And so we continue in verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. And you can just feel Abraham cringing right now, at least I can, hoping that his son does not ask him the obvious question. But his son is smart, and his son does. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Verse 8, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Think about what Abraham just said. I'm going to read it again. And Abraham said this, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. Offering, my son. Are you kidding me? How could Abraham respond this way, keep his composure, and continue on the journey to worship God, knowing what he has been commanded to do? How? The only way I think is by faith in God. That's it. Faith that God will provide everything we need when we need it. Faith that God has our best interests at heart. Faith that God will find a way to bring life out of a scenario of death. My my, my friends, this is the type of faith This is the type of faith. This this faith in God will give us the courage to stand firm when we are tempted and pressured by our culture to follow something other than God. Are are you you guys with me here? It, It was this type of faith in God that enabled Abraham to press on on this journey. Picking up in verse 9, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. I always wonder what Isaac's thinking at this moment. Then he reached out his hand and took his knife to slay his son. It almost overwhelms me. When I think of that as a dad, this is real stuff. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Don't lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up 
And I, I want to, before I read on, I, I want you just to grasp this thought. Abraham includes his son Isaac in his worship of God. And Isaac knows now that his dad is willing to sacrifice his son on God's altar because God is number one in his life. Isaac also knows and he's heard what, how God responded to Abraham when Abraham showed that God, you're number one and I'm going to parents through that lens. Just think about what that, what that meant to Isaac, the depth of that teaching right there to his son, Isaac. Verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over there and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place and, and look, Isaac's right there with them. So this is this teaching moment. There's so many teaching moments that we can have for our kids when we deal with these situations, right? Listen to what Abraham says. Uh, He says this. uh, 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 He says, I will call this place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham. So Isaac's hearing again now. Same thing Abraham's hearing. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Hear me on this. Worshiping God instead of our kids will never, ever, never, ever, never, ever hurt our kids. If you're a kid here, like you don't have any kids. If you're a kid here, and if you're alive, you're a kid. <laughs> right? You will never be hurt by your parents worshiping God first. Worshiping God will never, ever, never, ever hurt our kids. Never, ever, never, ever. The greatest thing that we can do for our kids is what Abraham did. Worship God in front of them. Invite them in to participate with us. And talk to them about it. Tell them the why. Why this matters. Because when God is Lord of our life and we worship God, then we will love our kids the way God has designed us to love our kids. We will give them the the, the correction when they need it. Because that's what a godly parent does. Right? Because, Because we... We have their best interests at heart because God has made us an others-focused parent. So they don't play travel sports or they don't do music or they don't do dance because we're trying to live our life through them. No. We're trying to teach them certain things because we love them. So we give them certain experiences so they can experience failure and success, but all in the context of God, God, God. Are you following me here? Does this, this make sense? And the wonderful grace promise 
in this, in this story is that God, the tester, and again, we're trying to learn about who this God is in this God story series. And there's no doubt that God is a tester, okay? That God, the tester, is also God, the provider. In, in, in this way, this story is not just about Abraham being found faithful. Hear me on this. It's also about God being found faithful to us always. Always. The same God who provided a sacrificial lamb, sacrificial ram, so that Isaac would live, is the same God who provided the ultimate sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ, so that whoever believes in him, that is, it's just simple. Whoever gives Jesus their complete allegiance will not die forever, will not be separated from God forever. That's called hell, but instead will live in a right relationship with God and everyone else who follows God forever. That's called heaven, and that can begin right here and right now. The same God who invites us to put our trust in faith in Jesus Christ is the same God who will test our trust in faith through various situations, various circumstances that come our way. But hear me on this. When the test comes, Apostle Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you. So that's when the evil one's kind of coming at us, right? No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. I just want to say that again, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide, provide a way out so that you can endure it. Praise God for that, right? I mean, that's good news. So as we are tested in this life, to determine whether we follow God or not, and through various things, whether that's our kid, whether that's through job, money, power, prestige, or whatever, know this, that God always provides a way for us to choose God. God always provides a way for us to pass the test. God always provides a way for us to choose God's way. That's just who God is. God is faithful. Are you with me this morning? And so I want to end this way. Get out that three-by-five card that you got when you came in. Hopefully you grabbed one. Hopefully our usher gave one to you. If you are a parent or a grandparent, I'm going to speak to you first. If you're not a a parent or a grandparent, stay with me because I'm going to come back to you. But if you're a parent or a grandparent, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down on this card the first and last name of each and every one of your kids or grandkids. Write their first and last name on this card. And in a minute, what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you when our worship team comes to lead us in this closing song, I want to invite you to come and, I, and to leave, in essence, leave your kid at God's altar, right? Uh, leave this card here with their names on it. And what we will do when we enter 21 days of prayer in January is that we as a community will, will, will pray with you on a couple things, okay? And, and, and when you write their names down on this card, some of you grandparents are like, holy smokes, Dave, I got like 15. Are you kidding me? No, yeah, write them all down. Write them all down. And then as you come, when you come, I'm asking you to make an affirmative statement. When you place them at God's altar, 
And if you're up in the balcony, there's a cross with a table there. There's a cross with a table there. You can put it on that table, that altar table there, or you can come down here. But if you don't want to come down here, just put them up there. And when you come, I want you, you're making this affirmative statement that, God, uh, that I'm going to be a God-centered parent and grandparent. You're making the affirmative statement that, God, hey, I will seek you first always and trust that you will take care of the rest. God, I'm putting my, my child or my grandchild in your hands. And then the last thing I want you, and when you're doing this affirmative statement, that you will commit to praying for your kids on a daily basis that they will choose God when those situations come their way. That first they will just choose God, and then as they're tested or tempted, <laughs> the evil one's on them, that they will choose God and live their God purpose. Parents and grandparents, do you understand what I'm asking you to do? If you're not a parent or a grandparent, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this three by five card and I want you to write down everything in your life that you have elevated above God. The title of this message is, is God or your kid, but it could be God or whatever. So what I want you to do is write on this card Anything in your life that you have elevated above God. It could be sports. It could be work. It could be a relationship. You know. You know in your heart of hearts what it is. So I want you to write that down. And here's what I want you to do with your three by five card. I don't want you to come and put it at God's altar. I want you to take it home with you. I want you to wrestle this week. I want you on the back of that card. I want you to write down why. Why have I elevated this above God? Think of it as kind of like a confession. Because once we understand the why, then maybe, seriously, I'm actually putting sports above God. I'm actually believing that sports will provide me peace and happiness and joy and contentment that my heart craves. I'm actually believing that sports can give me life. And when we write that down, we see how absurd that is. I actually think this job is going to give me everything I, you know, it's going to provide the security that I need. Write down your why as a confession and then wrestle with God and say, God, please help me here. Man, please help me put this sports or, or, or job or I don't know, money, whatever, in its proper perspective. Help me see those things through your, a God lens, which then may help you Reflect God's image as you work, as you spend your, the money that God has given to you. Are, are you. are you following me here? Would you just, this morning, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And I just want to give anybody here an opportunity who wants to just make an affirmative statement to God. God, I want you to be number one in my life. I want you to be Lord of my life today. If there's anybody here who wants to make that affirmative statement, just raise your hand. I'm not gonna embarrass you or anything. I just wanna pray over you. Is there anybody here? Okay, I see your hand up there. I see your hand up there. Yeah, I see your hands up there. I see your hand down there. I see your hands up there. I mean, I'm just tired of, I'm just tired of selling out for something else. It just causes me to experience hell. God, I want you, if you want that, if you want God to be Lord of your life, anybody else? 
So God, we just come to you this morning being raw and real. Just want to say sorry, man. Sorry for putting something else in your spot. Sorry for bowing down to something that can't give us life, that doesn't have our best interest at heart, God. So I, first, I just want to say we're sorry. And I just want to make, we just want to make that affirmative statement that we want you to be Lord of our life, God. So please clean us up, cleanse us of anything that's not of you. Fill us with your spirit. Purify us. Help us to have your thoughts and your desires, God. And really to see life in a new way. See it through your lens where you actually want to use us to bring healing and restoration to everyone that you put in our sphere of influence. So we're going to look at our job differently. We're going to look at our college experience differently. We're going to look at this, maybe the sport that we're playing differently. We're going to look how, how these financial resources that you've given to us, we're going to look at them differently. You want to use them to expand your kingdom here on earth. So please help us to think your thoughts and your desires and then actually to live your way. God, please, we're asking this morning, come, move, empower us in your mighty, powerful, life-giving name, we pray and ask, amen. Will you just stand with me this morning?